we are repentant. We are grateful. We are redeemed. We are prayerful. We are First Baptist Church. Yes, my name is Rick Henderson. I'm associate pastor for students. I have been at this church for five and a half years, and this is my first time to preach. I think it's because they finally saw that I had a kid and realized I was an adult and not a teenager. They finally trusted me to preach. So, but I've been here five and a half years, and we finally began to have conversations about me coming and preaching. And this actually began back in 2019. We began to talk about it and look at it, but I was scheduled to preach uh, the end of March 2020 and, well, COVID. So we bumped it back and I began, stayed with Danny and Pastor Chris and told them, hey guys, I'd really like, when we start getting back into a routine and back into things, I'd really like the opportunity to do this. I was really looking forward to the opportunity to preach and I'd like to have that chance. So sure enough, we're starting to move back. We're moving back into the way things used to be. Um, Danny comes into my office and says, hey, let's get you on the preaching schedule for the summer. I said, great, summer's my busiest time of the year, but let's do it. Um, and he goes, well, I'm going to take all of July because there's going to be an emphasis. He'll talk about that next week. He wants to have an emphasis all of July. So that took out all of July. And I go, all right, well, I can already tell you the two middle weeks of June are completely out for me. That's youth camp. I'm done. I can't preach. And he goes, okay, so that leaves us June 1st or June 27th. And so we look at, at the calendar and we're like, oh, well, the judges series is going to start on June 1st. You should probably take the June 1st one. I said, okay. Well, then that leaves me the only opportunity for me to preach is June 27th. And as we were ending that conversation, Danny goes, I really hope this isn't Shamgar. Sure enough, it was Shamgar. Um, if you're not familiar with the passage of Shamgar, that has been our reverse passage for the week. Um, and it goes a little something like this. Um, after him came Shamgar, son of Anath who uh, slew 600 Philistines with an ox goad, and he also saved Israel. And that was it. That was the only verse I had to work with. So here's what I'm going to say for that. Well, first off, I want to say Danny didn't, all that story is to say that Danny did not force me to take that. It wasn't because he did not want that passage. It was just literally the only month, week of the entire summer that I could preach. So thankful for that. And if you want to know a little bit more about the Shamgar story, it's going to follow the cyclical pattern of judges. Go watch last week's, um, last week's sermon or tune in next week. It'll probably have very similar vibes is that throughout the book of Judges, we have the cyclical pattern to where there, Israel is worshiping God. Then they begin to fall away, worship other gods, become oppressed by a foreign people. They cry out to God for help. God sends a judge to save them, and they worship God again. The whole book of Judges follows that theme. And if, we, if you read my blog, this is a similar story in our own lives. It follows Israel for the course of history, the cyclical pattern. That's what Judges sets us up for. So Luckily, separate from the conversations that I was having with Danny, we also began to have conversations as a staff saying, we want to have a topical study at some point this summer. It just so happened that there was a one-off text that we could supplement in there. But as we began to have these conversations with our staff, we began to talk about 160 blessings. That video that you guys saw at the very beginning of our time together um, just we want to promote the stories of our church and talk about how important it is as we've been together for 160 years. We love being together as a church. Also, tagging along with that, as we are in a post-pandemic or 
kind of post-pandemic, coming out of a pandemic. Um, we, we pray and hope that this is the direction that we continue to follow as we come out of 2020 through 2021. We want to know what does it look like for us to be together again? So if you would stand with me, we're gonna look at a passage of scripture, Acts 2, 42 through 47, and we will, we're gonna read 42 through 44, I believe, that will be up on the screen. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. You may be seated. And all were together who believed and they had all things in common. Look, we are coming out in this passage of scripture. Acts 2 is Pentecost. Pentecost has been a very important day in the life of our church the last two years. They've been milestones for our church marking us coming out of the pandemic. For the two years in 2020, Pentecost was the first time that we opened people, opened worship back up to have people come. This year at Pentecost, I believe was one of the first times that we began to move to a mask recommended phase. And so we have slowly marked Pentecost as an important day because it was such an important day in church history. We look at the, at the Pentecost was the coming of the Holy Spirit. And at the end of verse 41, it said there were 3,000 souls came to know Jesus Christ on the day of Pentecost. And this is who that verse 44 that we just read, all who believed, all 3,000 who believed were together and in common. That is the overarching theme that we're going to have for this this day and why we're looking at this. We wanna know what it's like to be together again, just like those first century Christians, the very first Christians we can say, just like they were filled with that spirit and went out and began to serve and began to look at what it looks like to be a community and to be a church for the very first time, we're kind of learning that again too. We're learning what does it look like in this new rhythm, in this new mold, what does it look like for us to be a church again? I love that word that in verse 44 that said, and all who believed, that is one from the Greek word pistuo, which we have a shirt in our youth ministry that actually says that word on it. And it's a, more than just believing, is that it's, it's a buy-in. They're putting all their chips in the middle of the table and that they are bought in and a part of this. They're not just coming and coming to church and, and then going their separate ways. They're buying into a community. They're buying into a family. And that's what this is talking about with that word, pastu. They were together. In the verse 42, they were devoted. They were devoted to each other. But imagine the joy that was coming upon them as they came out of Pentecost. And they're just joyful worship, celebrating together. Let me ask you a few questions. Did you miss that? Over the last year, over the last year and a half, have you missed being together again? Did you miss the joyful worship? And I'm not just talking about church service because we've done a great job of having services and opportunities, but have you missed the joyful interaction of people being together and in common? 
the joy of seeing each other's faces. I mean, I'm just excited that we have begun to reach vaccinations, begin to have people back where we're having uh, the opportunity to mask recommended to where I can see people smile again. Like I could walk through the halls on Sunday mornings. I went, Are she smiling at me? Or it's especially hard with youth. Is like you can't tell by their eyes if they're smiling or not. I'm like, they're hard to read to begin with. But now you add the masks in. I'm just. It was just throwing things up at the wall and hoping that they stick. But it's we miss this. We miss this joy of being together again. Like just like the Pentecost church was eager and excited we are getting to experience that for the first time again. Something really cool happened over the last couple of weeks in that we went to youth camp. As I mentioned earlier in the sermon, that, that was part of the reason for me being on this week in particular. But as we went to youth camp, I really sold on the opportunity and said, we are being filled at youth camp so that we can go serve at VBS. And we had a great turnout of youth who came and were a part of Vacation Bible School. And even some who were not signed up ahead of time just showed up and we found jobs for. And we had things after VBS for just for our youth to go and celebrate together because I've realized the importance for us to be together. But I also recognize the importance of how they were filled at camp and we need to channel that energy and excitement that happened from camp and push them in a place to for them to be together so that they see that it's good to be together. Because we want to be together and we were created to be together. Let me ask a follow-up question to my last one. The first question was, did you miss the joyful fellowship this year? The second question is gonna correlate to that. Did your relationship grow? Did your relationship with Christ grow during the pandemic? I'm gonna draw a correlation here in a second, but did your relationship with Christ grow during the pandemic? Because I'm, in my experience, and people that I talk to, I feel like early on in the pandemic, people were on fire. They were like, I have so much more time on my hands. I can read scripture. And I, especially in students, I saw it in the first two months of the pandemic. Well, especially in the first two weeks of the pandemic, we were like 14 days to slow the carry. I was like, all right, two weeks. I'm gonna get my life right. We just came back from spring break and we had our spring break mission trips specifically for our youth. We come back from spring break expecting to only be 14 days. I felt people's energy picking up and saying, I'm reading the Bible more. I'm spending more time with, in scripture. But then as time went on, it felt like there was a fade. Some people attribute that to Zoom fatigue. Um, some people would say that it, that it was part of just people not wanting to be a part of the online experience. But if you ask me, I directly correlate the lack of spiritual growth during the pandemic to the, the inability of, to be together. So because we were not growing during the pandemic, I think it was because we weren't able to joyfully push each other, challenge each other, and be around one another. And I'm not gonna say that, especially for those of you that are online, that you're still being super cautious. We're, this, what we're talking about today is really just for the people in the room, people that have, that have not been, that have been here but not really involved. But we completely back up and understand for the people that need to be online. But here's what I'm gonna say to, about the online aspect. We had a great Zoom, Zoom is a great tool our media ministry was incredible and did an incredible job through the pandemic to keep us connected. But here's the thing. A digital community is only a patch. 
Imagine a pair of jeans that have a hole in them and you put a patch on top of it. It fills the gap, it fills the hole of what was supposed to be there. And even, you can sew it really well and seam it together really well, but there is still a disconnect because it is not the original. You can see the disconnect in the threads. You can see the, the pattern on the jeans does not directly line up because it is just a patch. Same thing goes for, for our Zoom, and that was what was happening in our Zoom. Everybody was realizing that Zoom was a great tool. It was a great opportunity, but it did not fill the need to be together. We could see each other's faces, but there was something about being together because that's what we were created for. Look at in the book of Genesis, whenever God looks down, Adam is, is the first person on earth. He's in the garden. God looks down at him and says, it is not good that man should be alone. We're not built to be alone. We were created to have one, relationship with the Father, two, relationship with other people. We were created for community. We're created to be together. And that is why the church grows and the people thrive when we are together and in common. Like I said, we're gonna have to relearn that, relearn what that looks like. Luckily, we have a model shown to us in our passage of scripture. Look back with me again in Acts 2, 42 and 43 specifically. I'm gonna look at these two verses, then we'll look at a couple others. In verse 42, it says this, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul and many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles. Look at the layout of this passage. It goes, fellowship and community, awe came upon every soul, signs and wonders were being done. It's, we can draw a cause and effect because us in Western culture would probably like to draw the cause and effect saying, we wanna see the signs and wonders are direct of the awe of God, which then puts us into community. The early church had that completely backwards. Where was the awe coming from? The awe was coming from the community because this community is unlike anything that had ever been seen before. This community was working together, was fellowshipping together, was sharing all things together. It was separate from the temple. It was separate from worship. It was separate from anything that had ever been done because ultimately the church was more than a building. In verse 42, we see this begin to be laid out and it's saying they devoted themselves to four things. I'm gonna walk through these four things with you. They devoted through apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Apostles' teaching. This is more than a sermon. Sermon happened at temple and we read that in verse 46 where they went to the temple and worship the sermon happened at the temple this was discipleship because look they were sitting under the teaching of the disciples of the apostles those people who had been so closely following jesus were the ones leading and teaching we see a little bit later they were common ordinary men another passage of scripture the book of john shows us at the end of john ultimately he says there are so many more signs and wonders that Jesus did, uh, books cannot contain them. So the gospels are just the greatest hits of Jesus. Think about that. Everything we read in the Bible is just the greatest hits. It's not even the actual, not even the day-to-day -day life, day-to-day -day activity that they got to see Jesus live and do. 
Imagine being able to sit with someone who had been with Jesus. Imagine the most godly, most Christ-like person you've ever met and how much joy fills your heart when you sit with them. I had a professor in college uh, by the name of Gary Gramling, and you could go into Gary's office and talk about how you were failing his class and then walk out with a smile on your face feeling like you could conquer the world. Because these people who are with Christ and in the word have this feel. They understand, they, you're able to feel their energy, feel their love, feel the, the, the love that they have for Jesus. That's what these new believers were getting to sit under. They were sitting under people who had been with Jesus. They were also devoting them to the fellowship. This is more than just 10 minutes at the beginning of your Bible study to catch up with each other and see what's been going on in your week. This fellowship, if you look at it, it's another Greek word, koinonia, which takes on the the meaning of common association or participation with one another. And they were participating and sharing together. It was a community. It was more than just trying to catch up with people you haven't seen in a while. It was close fellowship, sharing all things together. Side note here, in my research this week, I've read how some people can take this passage of scripture and try to use it as a defense of a political system, and this is not what that was talking about. This is not in defense of a political system and where we share all things commonly, but that the church, when we recognize needs in our community, the church rises up together to help meet that needs, just like we saw on the 160 Blessing video. We see people in our community that have needs and we meet those needs. That is what this was talking about. Then they also devoted themselves to a third thing, the breaking of bread. And all the Baptists said, amen, let's throw a potluck. And this is kind of what we begin to look at and think, we're gonna go share meals together, we're gonna do this. But we gotta remember the time period. This is weeks, weeks after Jesus is crucifixion, every meal they had reminded them of that last supper. Every meal, and it is very possible that they were partaking of the communion of the Lord's Supper in those meals, but more importantly, in those meals, they were remembering what Jesus had done for them. They were looking back and thinking about how lucky they were to that Jesus saved them. This was more than just going to Alamo Cafe after lunch with your friends. And then they devoted themselves to the prayers. As I mentioned earlier, in verse 46, we see them going to the temple, but this prayer was separate from the temple. This prayer was them talking about Jesus in their homes. This was them living out the law. We look in the law in Deuteronomy 6. The Bible, that God tells the Israelites to talk about him, to talk about him at home, on the walkway, in the marketplace, and in everything. When they devoted themselves to the prayers, they were, this was them praying, worshiping in the home. This was a dedicated time of home worship. They were being discipled by the apostles, and then they were discipling their homes. We're going to look at this a little bit more in just a minute. They had divided themselves... They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to the prayers. As we 
look at this, and we look at these four things that drive this community together, I bring up the question, were we even together and in common prior to COVID? If this is the model for what the church is supposed to be, were we together and in common beforehand? Because I think that we have a lot of church attenders, but we do not have a church family beyond the walls of this church. The church is supposed to be a place where we come and celebrate what God is doing out there. This isn't the place where we come and, and celebrate God only once or twice a week. We in this room are celebrating what God is doing through us as we are church family beyond this walls. There's a dynamic with our church. In First Baptist Church of San Antonio, we have a dynamic that we come from all parts of the city, Northwest, Northeast, North Central. Actually, there's a huge conglomerate of North Central, so it's like North Central, Northeast, Northwest. But we come from all different parts of the city and bring together. So here's the goal that we need to, be, to figure out. We need to become a church family beyond the walls of the church. So what does that look, look like? How do we become a devoted family beyond the walls? There's three things that reign very specific to me in that passage. And the first one you heard me mention, discipleship. One, Pastor Chris has been telling us that we need to do three things, repent, witness, and disciple. Disciple has been the one that we're moving towards here recently as we need to look at what it means to be discipled. As we saw in that passage of scripture, the apostles, the disciples, I mean, all the Christians were sitting under the apostles and the disciples teaching. People who had been with Jesus, you yourself need to be discipled by someone who has been with Jesus. And that goes for me too. I'm, I need to be discipled as well. So every single person, I tell our youth this often, every single person needs to have a Paul, a Timothy, and a Barnabas. Looking at this relationship, if you know, if you read through the New Testament, you'll see the relationship of these three men. Paul, converted to Christianity, he, he discipled Timothy. So if we are Timothy, we need to have a Paul. And then if we are a Paul, we need to have a Timothy. And all of us are Paul and Timothys. We're both of those. So everybody needs a Paul. Everybody needs a Timothy. Someone who's pouring into them and someone that they're pouring into. This is how discipleship work. If we want to see things grow, we are disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And it's an, instead of just me going out and sharing the gospel, I'll out on the Alamo street over here, just right in front of the Alamo, I start preaching hellfire and brimstone, yelling at people saying, repent for the kingdom of God is near. That's gonna save way less people than if I go and I begin to disciple one person. And that one person goes and disciples one person. Then we break it out and we say, two people. You go and disciple two people. And that begins this exponential growth outward as we disciple self. Not only are we need the Paul, Paul and Timothy, we need a Barnabas. Barnabas was Paul's accountability partner, encouraging him, pushing him, encouraging him all the way. Paul, Barnabas, Timothy. The other thing that it talked about with discipleship was they were being discipled themselves 
but then as we looked at in that last part, that they were being disciple makers in their homes. Dedicated home worship. Parents in the room, you are the primary disciple makers of your children. The church is to come alongside you and help you and equip you, but it's not the church's job to make sure your, your children walk the straight and narrow. It is your job, your obligation to disciple your children, and that is biblical. But you, we see this discipleship of self, then discipleship of the home, and discipling one another. So they devoted themselves to discipleship. And then as I said, it's gonna be important for us to celebrate together. What we do in this room is a celebration of what God is doing out there. So when we come together on Sundays, when we come together on Wednesdays, or whatever night of the week it is that y'all's, y'all's group of people meet, we celebrate what God is doing out here, and then we equip you to go back out. This is not to be the place where, where disciples are made. Disciples are to be made outside of this building, outside the walls of this church. Because if we begin to go, look at the model, look what happens. If I send, if I go out to the north central part of town, and we send someone out to the northwest part of town, someone to the northeast, someone to the south sides, to the west sides, if we all begin to make disciples in those communities and spread the gospel and disciple people there that may or may not even go to our church, but people that are in your everyday rhythm of life that you can meet and, and begin to plant seeds in, we can begin to have little pockets all about the city, and then we come together and celebrate that and celebrate the joy of what the Spirit is doing inside of us. And lastly, as we become a devoted family beyond the walls, I've tried to sell the importance that we are, we are beyond the walls. It's important for us to celebrate together. The last thing I want to say here, and this is going to step on a few people's toes, and I do not apologize. This, we need to get rid of excuses. And here's, here's the thing as a youth minister, I'm going to talk about it in my own ministry, so I don't throw any other ministries under the bus. But one of the biggest complaints that I hear and excuses I hear for people not coming to be a part of our church is the location of the church and how difficult it is to get downtown. That location of our church is not an excuse for you to not be here and to not come and not plug in because we need this community. We need to be together. As much as I've been talking about the importance of being outside these walls, this is where the Barnabas encouragement happens. There is discipleship within here as we disciple, as we encourage, as we build each other up so that we can send back out. So it's important for us to gather together and be together again, following this biblical model that we've read here. So what will it look like? What is it going to look like when our church takes this step? When we begin to do this, when we begin to move into this idea of being a church family beyond the walls, look at, if you would read with me, verse 46 and 47, if we could get those up on the screen. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received the food with glad and generous hearts, 
praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I would say for every church, the goal is growth. Each person, uh, each person kind of de- defines that in their own ways. But one of the ways that we define growth is through numerical numbers. And the reason I bring this up is not to say, because I think growth is measured in spiritual components, not numerical, but here's what happens. Too many churches get focused on the numerical options to say, and they begin to throw out cheap gimmicks to get people in their doors so that they can drive that number up. But what did this scripture say? It said, their number grew day by day because what? Because they were a family. Because they were sharing all things. They were together. As I mentioned just a moment, the, the awe-inspiring community that was unlike anything that had ever been seen before, that that is what was bringing people there. Because people want to belong to a family. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for community. We're looking for a family. We're looking for a place where we can go and have people that come alongside us and be a family together. And, we, and just like that passage of scripture said, we will grow when they begin to see our love for one another and our love for others. And another little side note there, what it said, they were, let me read it. So I get the exact part of here in verse 47, having praising God and having favor with all people, not just the people that they had things in common with, not just the people that believed similar politically to them. They had favor with all people. Their love for people, their love for each other, the family that they created was what brought more people. I'll reiterate something that I said earlier. The church grows and the people thrive when we are together and in common. It's time for us to move to become a family beyond these walls. We're gonna have a time of response here in just a few minutes. Uh, Pastor Danny's gonna come and, and close us out as well, and then the band will come back up to lead us. But we want this to be a family. To our youth group, I use the word, I don't use the, <laughs> I just did. I don't use the word youth group very often. Youth group, youth ministry are common terms to define what we do. But we are a youth family. And I try to reiterate that to our youth yearly, monthly, throughout time to say we are a family, a youth family that comes together and worships together and we wanna build this family atmosphere. And the same thing goes for our church family. Is First Baptist Church of San Antonio, if we want to begin to make disciples, if we want to begin to see more people come to faith in Jesus Christ, It's gonna start with us building a church family together. Let's pray. Father God, I'm so grateful for your scripture. This is your word breathed out. Father, we were able to to learn from this early church about what it looks like to be a biblical community. Lord, let us grow in fellowship Let us grow in our love for one another and show our love to this world so that more people can come to know you and that we will become a church family beyond these walls. We ask this in your name.
Amen. First Baptist Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you.